Nate, it's so good to see you. Uh, I know that the Christmas time can, it, it's hard to believe that it's already uh, the week of Christmas. And, and uh, But we look forward to this time of year as believers, man. It is incredible. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 in just a moment. And for you that uh, haven't been around, we've been walking through some lines of that incredible Christmas hymn called Oh Holy Night. We talked about a thrill of hope. We talked about a weary world rejoices. And today we're going to talk about the soul felt its worth. But before we get there, uh, I want to just say a couple of things to you. One is I always uh, challenge you or encourage you when it comes to end of the year, going into the new year, to make sure you have a Bible reading plan. Uh, you need to get into the Word of God. And so, for me, it's uh, a plan. Actually, the Gideons uh, have put a little plan together. We have many of these out there. Uh, this one will take you through the complete Scriptures in 365 days, a little bit out of the Old Testament, a little bit out of the New Testament, maybe 15, 20 minutes of reading a day, and you can go through the whole uh, counsel of God, the Word of God in a year. And so I would encourage you to find a plan. We have some for you. You can go on version, find you a good plan. But uh, you plan. If you don't plan, you're going to fail, I guarantee you. So make a plan and, and go at it. Uh, secondly, uh, I was out walking my dog Gracie the other day, and we'd, we'd cut on a street we don't normally go on. And, uh, I think we were in a hurry, uh, for, for whatever reason. Went by a house that, uh, had not been by in the Christmas season. And I thought, man, this, this year has been so weird in so many ways. 2020, COVID, all that kind of stuff. I wanted to show you a picture of this yard. Uh, I thought, man, this is, this is 2020 right there. Uh, they, they have the nativity out there socially distanced with their mask on. I thought it was I thought it was great to to see that. That's just it's just been so weird and we're so glad you're at home that you're watching also. Uh I I want to say something to you that are watching at home. Please send in prayer needs that you might have and and so that others can pray for you. I know some of you are going through some struggles, so please just message those in and we can pray for you and others online will pray for you as well. But we're in Luke chapter 2 and we're going to be going through the Christmas story at, that many of you will read that that over the next couple of days. So we're just going to dwell on that if we could in just a moment. But let me let me kind of give you a word picture as we step into this today. In World War II, there was plans made from Winston Churchill from the from UK and from President Roosevelt. They had talked about and they had planned for a year with their military strategy about an invasion that needed to take place. Now, an invasion means literally you spread into another's domain. And, and it was, it was talked about between Churchill and Roosevelt that an invasion needed to take place. And they planned for years on this taking place. And they eventually called it Operation Overlord. And it took place on June 6, 
1944. And it would involve 156,000 American, British, and Canadian troops to pull it off. And over 8,000 of those troops would lose their lives during that invasion. We know it as D-Day. They planned it as Operation Overlord. And it took years in the planning to pull off that invasion. Well, I submit to you today that God invaded earth. And he had planned that from the very beginning. We can call it Operation Advent, Operation Christmas, whatever, Sea Day. I, I don't know what we may want to call it. But I believe that 2,000 years ago when God sent Jesus, it was an invasion of our planet. He came in to a domain and he decided, this is how I'm going to spread into this domain. And uh, you may be wondering, how do I know that he was planning from the beginning? Well, I go back and I look in the scriptures and it tells me right in the beginning that this one who is to come would come from the seed of a woman. He would come born to Jewish heritage. He would come out of the tribe of Judah. He would come from the family of David. He would be born to a virgin, born in Bethlehem. And the scripture says this would come in the fullness of time. So I believe that when we talk about Christmas, we're talking about God and heaven invading earth. So when we look at the passage today, think about that great invasion that took place 2,000 years ago. And it says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read a little bit, stop, and talk about it. It says this, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. Let's stop there just a moment. I always encourage you to take notes and keep your Bibles or your devices there with you. Write this down as the first point. Despite who the ruler is, God is in charge. Despite who the ruler is, God is in charge. Let's look at the passage here, and this is what it tells us. It says that Caesar Augustus, the, the one who was reigning in all of Rome, who was going to call together all of the citizens of Rome, all those that were Roman-occupied land, he was going to do a registration or a decree. That means that it had authority behind it of the earthly king. But I want you to know that even though the earthly king Caesar made this call, God was uh, instrumental in making sure that it came to pass. And what happened was, is that the reason they did this registration is for two reasons. One was to see how many men of fighting age they may have. To, In other words, to look at the military might. Rome had spread so far that they needed to see uh, how their army was. Number two, it was to register everybody so that they could tax them. And uh, Mary and Joseph, the, the, the Jews... 
in this day as well, decided to use it as a time that they were going to be able to see in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish nation, clans, family, tribes are very vital. So they had everybody go back to their tribal hometown to register. And Joseph, who was the house and lineage of David, went back to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And it's in, in it great that the, the living bread was born in the house of bread. And so Joseph and Mary go back to Bethlehem, and they go back there. Now, here's what's important for you to grab, is that Caesar Augustus was behind all of this. The local authorities were behind it. Everybody thought that they were making the plan. I want you to know that God was pulling the strings. Caesar was but a puppet in God's hands. And he was orchestrating this whole invasion. And it was going to take place in Bethlehem, this little um, podunk town that was out on the outskirts, the suburbs almost of Jerusalem. But I want you to know something. You need to hear this. We've, we've had an election year, and I've talked to many people who have just wrung their hands and thinking, oh, I don't know what's going to happen to our country. I want you to know who's in charge. God is in charge. First time I ever voted, it was uh, Jimmy Carter was, was president. And then we had President Nixon, and you had President Ford and President Reagan, and you had uh, President, the, you had the Bushes, you had uh, President Clinton, you had President Obama. We have had President Trump, and it looks like President Biden will be uh, coming on as president. And, and you, we can look back at over these days, and every uh, every leader, whether it's in the United States or other places in the world, people have wrung their hands and said, oh, we can't survive with that person as president. We can't happen. It just can't happen. Let me tell you something. That person is but a puppet in the hands of God. And God is the one who is fulfilling and playing out all of history. And he did it here right at the very beginning. You need to grab that and you need to hang on to that. And hopefully it gives you some encouragement and hope in our day. Because he is in, in fact, he is working in your life the same way. So Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem. We know that she is with child. She gives birth to her firstborn, which would lead us to know that there are other children that are going to follow when we know that Mary had other children. She wraps him in swaddling cloths, lays him in a manger, because there was no room in the inn. And uh, um, for you that have been to Israel, if you've visited Bethlehem out in the shepherd's field, they talk to you about what this may have looked like, because the word inn leaves a little bit of a questioning on, on what may happen. Some people interpret it as guest room. And there were many caves in the area, and people would build on top of those caves. And that would be the place where the people lived, and, and the cave underneath would be where the animals were kept. There was no room in the inn part, and so Mary and Joseph had to be down with the animals underneath, probably in a cave. And so when the shepherds found them, they were in a cave, and, a, and Jesus was placed in a feeding trough. And that's where, where he was. But God was in charge and not Caesar. Let's go on in verse 8. It says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Circle that, star that, double underline it, uh, tattoo it on your arm. Know that it's for all people. Okay? What God was doing, He was doing for all of mankind. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's stop there just a moment. Notice what the angel said. He says that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. I've said this to you before, but I want to remind you, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, and so he sent a Savior. And that's who Jesus was, and the angel announces it. But here's the second thing I want you to write down. God sent an army to oversee this invasion. God sent an army to oversee this invasion. You're saying, how how do you know that? Well, let's go back to that time. And it was a, a dark night. I hate to tell you this. Jesus was probably not born in December, but it's the time we celebrate it. But they were out there on a dark night. And what God did is God pulled back the veil of the heavenlies just a little bit, and one angel comes out. Now, the first words out of an angel's mouth are always, fear not, because you will be fearful. And so this angel comes and he announces the birth of the one who is to come. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And then God did this. He opens up the curtain completely and there is a multitude. The Bible says there's a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Now, most of the time we think that they were an angel choir. They were not an angel choir. In fact, the Bible alludes to two times that angels sang in the scriptures. The book of Job says that it happened at the beginning of creation, they sang. And and John tells us in the Revelation that they sing at the culmination of everything. And so in between, we don't have angels singing. You can think they sang, that's fine, because so many of our carols have that. But this was an angel army and there was a multitude. In fact, the whole sky was filled. Now let me tell you what a heavenly host is. A heavenly host is an angel army. They're an army that God had sent around Bethlehem that night. And these lowly shepherds got a chance to see the curtain pulled back. And this army is there. And what this army does is they begin to speak. And when they speak, they say this, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This word peace here 
is the word shalom. If you go to Israel today, you greet each other with shalom, shalom. And, and we think, well, it means peace. Well, it means more than peace. It's not the absence of conflict. Many people think that peace means that you don't have conflict in your life. That's not what it means. It means wholeness and completeness, both physically and spiritually and in your soul, is what shalom means. And that's what the angels are saying. Listen, they are saying glory to God in the heaven and on earth peace, shalom to you, in whom he is well pleased. So God had an army to oversee the invasion. And in the Jewish culture, in the Middle Eastern culture, that when a child was born, especially a male was born, Usually there would be minstrels, and minstrels would sing out, they would proclaim that a child has been born. Joseph and Mary did not have friends as minstrels to proclaim it, but God sent a heavenly host to proclaim it. Man, this wasn't just your ordinary birth. Let's let's pick it up in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The third thing I want you to write down is this. God uses the outcasts and throwaways to announce his invasion. God uses the outcasts and throwaways to announce his invasion. Let me, let me explain to you a little bit. A shepherd who stayed out in the fields watching sheep, was considered religiously unclean. He could not go to the temple because he was considered unclean because he's out there working with animals. He's also would be a lower economic status. He would also be uh, almost a misfit uh, to, to have to stay on the outskirts. Uh, the, w- the reason I use the term throwaway is that it was as common as anything to have a, a shepherd, so they were not uh, they were not of any standing whatsoever. And yet, God, in His incredible way of doing things, chose to reveal Himself to these misfits and these throwaways. Why did He do that? Why did He not go to, to Caesar? Why did He not go to Herod? Why did He not go? I think it was because. God knew exactly what he was doing with the accessibility of reaching these shepherds on this and his fulfillment would be able to to go from there. And here's what I want you to grab. Oftentimes we feel like misfits and outcasts. Um, You know of somebody that does. And they need to know of their worth. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know, I told you about that line in the O Holy Night. The soul felt its worth. 
let me tell you, those shepherds, all of a sudden, they're misfits, outcasts, out there on the outskirts of town. All of a sudden, their souls became alive because God revealed himself to them. And I want you to know that is what Christmas is all about. God has chosen to reveal himself to us. Misfits, throwaways that we are. He has chosen to reveal himself to us. Here's another thing about those shepherds that were out there. Most scholars agree that Bethlehem was not that far from Jerusalem. In Jerusalem is where all the religious sacrifices took place. Most scholars would believe that the Bethlehem shepherds were watching the sacrificial lambs. And uh, these lambs, you know that sacrifices that were made in the Jewish system, they had to be pure and spotless. So these lambs were out there in Bethlehem. They're watching them. Uh, A lamb is about to be born. And if that lamb is white and pure and spotless and without blemish, what they would do is they would quickly take that little lamb and they would wrap it in cloths that they called swaddling cloths and they would wrap up that, uh, sh- uh, that little sheep so he could not be damaged in any way. They told us this when we were in Bethlehem. It just blew my mind as I'm thinking about that because I never pictured that before. But there we are out in the field and the guy is explaining how they would take the the lamb, so that it would not get damaged, and they would wrap it, and they would call those swaddling cloths. So here the angel has just told these shepherds, you're going to go to Bethlehem, and you're going to go into the town, and you're going to find a child that's been wrapped in these swaddling cloths, and the shepherds would have known at that point these lambs are meant to be sacrificed for the sins of people. And they come and watch this little baby wrapped in these cloths, and all of a sudden their knowledge of just like I told you last week, when you see the crib, you got to see the cross, is that this one being born wrapped in these swaddling cloths has come for the sins of all people. And God chose to reveal that to these lowly shepherds out there. And all of a sudden, I've got to believe that their souls felt their worth all of a sudden as they saw this. And And the other thing about the shepherds, notice... In verse, um, it, it tells us there in verse 16, and they went with haste. In other words, God created, it wasn't Black Friday, God created the first Christmas rush. And it was these shepherds who went to see the Christ. And it was the fear that led to their pursuit, and it was the finding that led to worship. Many people seek Christ for different reasons. But once you find Him, you can't help but worship. And they worshipped the Christ. And they were forever changed. Their soul felt its worth. There's one last thing, one last note that I want you to write down. As we think about this, we talked about how that God is in charge. We talked about how He sent an army that night of the invasion. He he proclaimed it to misfits and throwaways to go and tell the world of the invasion. But one last thing I want you to understand is that one day God will invade one more time. God, according to the Scriptures, there will be a time of His invasion that will be different from the first time of His coming. One writer said it this way, Next time it will be different. The first time Jesus came, he came veiled in the form of a child. 
A star marked his arrival. Wise men brought him gifts. There was no room for him. Only a few attended his revival. The next time Jesus comes, he will be recognized by all. Heaven will be lit by his glory. He will bring rewards for his own. The world won't be able to contain his glory. Every eye shall see him. He will come as sovereign king and Lord of all. He will return. You know, when we come, we, we call this season Advent season. The, the coming. Advent means coming. And, and we think about the first coming. Listen, all of life ought to be an Advent for the time that Christ returns. We are looking for Him to return. So, being practical, here's the one question I have for you today. This year, will you miss Jesus? This Christmas, will you miss, miss Jesus? You know, we get caught up in everything. I love the, the tinsel and the, the bows. I love the, the presents. I love the lights. I love, uh, I love the carols. I love everything. Uh, and you can be involved in all that. You can watch every Hallmark movie that's coming out. You can watch every traditional movie that you come out with and you can still miss Jesus. My question for you is, will you miss what this, this season is truly, truly about? In December of 1903, something happened in our country that changed the world as we know it. Orville and Wilbur Wright flew in December of 1903 for the first time. And they sent their sister Catherine a telegraphed message after they had flown. And they said this, We have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. Catherine, so excited about her brothers flying in their flying machine, she ran to tell the editor of the local newspaper and showed him the message. And he glanced at it, and this is all he said. How nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. That's all he got out of a life-changing world event. He got that the boys will be home for Christmas. Not that these men created a flying machine that we know today has changed the world as we know it. And, you know, we can be involved in so many things, so many good things, that we miss the great thing of why God sent Jesus in the first place. The greatest present you can give somebody else this Christmas is the good news that Jesus loves them. And they are worth, they're worth more than they can ever imagine. I am a, kind of a collector of stories uh, around different things. And I love, and I conclude with this, another story about a children's nativity play. And this particular play, the children had their parts. And I'm looking forward to Christmas Eve because Chris and Mandy have put together a video using our children at the church when it comes to the um, birth of Christ. But this particular play, one little boy had the part of uh, the innkeeper. And the, the scriptures are silent that the innkeeper even speaks. 
But we know there was no room in the inn, so they decide to give him a line. Mary and Joseph is going to wander up to his door. They're going to knock. Mary and Joseph are going to say, uh, we, we, we would like a lodging for the night. And the innkeeper is supposed to say, I'm sorry, there's no room for you in the inn. So that's the way it's supposed to go. They rehearse it. The night comes. The lights are on. The crowd is there. All the parents, uh, phones taking their pictures. And here comes Mary and Joseph, forlorn, making their way across the stage. They come. They knock on the, the door. The little innkeeper opens the door. And they say, we're looking for lodging for the night. And the little boy looks at them. And he looks at the crowd and he says, I'm sorry, there's no room for you in the inn. And so Mary and Joseph, you know, distraught, turn and make their way across. And he soaks in this whole thing and he, he thinks this isn't right. And so he said, hey, you can have my room. You know, that's the gift we give to Jesus. Lord, you can take my room. You can take me. We're always asking for stuff from the Lord. Now it's time to say, Lord, you can have my room. I don't want you to miss this. See, I love you so much. I, I, my, my goal through this whole thing is, God, may they see you in a fresh new way this season.